everybody welcome to <laughs> brotherly oh, pod here it is uh wednesday january 11 2023 and yes you gotta deal with sick uh, dan the flyer fan voice again um, i am recovering no longer on my deathbed but uh the voice has not quite uh, gotten back up to um back up to par yet but uh yeah we're back fast <coughs> forward through that little bit there or write that uh, time code down here as I just damn near died on her. Just hacked into the mic. <laughs> Katie's back as well. Katie, how you doing? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Besides, you know, you dying. Yeah. Uh, it was a rough uh, rough couple days there with a uh, respiratory infection. But I am uh, on the mend, but not uh, not quite there yet, as you can still, uh, as you can tell. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trending in the right direction, just like the Philadelphia Flyers, right? Yeah, the Flyers are trending in the right direction lately. Um, I know it's been a little bit since it occurred, but uh, they swept the West Coast road trip for the first time in team history. I was floored when I heard that. Yes, yep. Um, and I think there's been a lot of good things to take away from this recent stretch of games. They've been winning a lot of the games, which is great, um, but it does kind of come with the caveat that it is against teams that are, you know, just as bad as them or worse than them in the standings. Um, in terms of the results, the only like really poor effort, uh, was against Sunday's game, uh, when they got curb stomped by the Maple Leafs, uh, six to two, but that's a team that has so much more talent than they do. Um, but overall, I've been pretty happy with what I've seen from the team. I think a lot of the young guys have taken considerable steps forward. Uh, Travis Konechny has continued to score at a pretty good pace. I think he broke his point streak um, either in the Sabres game or the Maple Leafs game. I forget one of them, but he was on a really good scoring streak. Um, Morgan Frost has been, I think, in my opinion, the most notable 
young player who has really stepped up. He's been a very positive impact on the ice for the most part. Um, Noah Cates has been good. Um, and Samuel Urson is another guy who's really kind of stepped into the fold here. Um, I've been really impressed with what I saw. He did have that really bad first game against Carolina where he had to get pulled and then Hart got injured and then he had to come back in. But since that game, he's been a, a really, really great surprise to watch. I don't like to stir up goalie controversy unnecessarily. Uh, and he is only like, you know, a few games into his career, but the Flyers may have something here. I don't know if he'll be a starter, but I think he's definitely at least a considerable backup option, either for this team or if they decide to try and get something for him down the line. Not necessarily this season at the trade deadline, but in the future. Yeah, they uh, got beat by the Leafs and Hurricanes before Christmas. And that Hurricanes game was absolutely wild. Um, and then they went on the uh, West Coast road trip, the California trip, beat the Sharks, beat the Kings, beat the Ducks. They then beat the Coyotes. Uh, they got curb stomped by the Maple Leafs. <laughs> they beat the Sabres, who are actually doing fairly decent this year. And, uh, and the Coyotes. Yeah. Can't forget them. And the uh, we are watching along with the Capitals game right now. It is one nothing. Lawton has just scored on the power play here late in the first period. So, yeah, they're they're beating the teams that they need to beat and still losing to the teams that are far superior to they are. It's the Philadelphia Flyers way, right? Uh, the too, yep. too good to fail and nowhere near good enough to succeed. All it's doing is screwing up their draft positioning at the end of the day. But, yeah, there have been some positive takeaways from this team. And, you know, lately the big story has been uh, Sam Erson. And interesting. You know, I, I, as I talked about this on uh, Flyers AD, this is not a, a controversy t for today. No, But no. this time next year, it very well will be. If Erson can continue to play well, um, at, at both the AHL and NHL level, because of Hart's pending contract, he's uh, three point nine million is up in summer of twenty twenty four. You know, yeah. uh, he could be looking at probably eight million a season at that point. And where the Flyers are going to gather that kind of cash, who knows? You know, if Erson's playing well, you could move Hart and promote Erson full time, keep him around. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. But um, yeah, Erson uh, continues to look very good. He was been the saving grace for the Phantoms all season long. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a good story. Who would have ever thought that the Philadelphia Flyers have an embarrassment of riches in the goaltending position, right? It's it's, it's a total 180 from uh, how they were, you know, for the entirety of For the first the 45 history. years of their history, yeah. You ever see a, have you seen the meme of, like, the, the three dragons where, like, two of them look really menacing and mm. one of them has, like, a dopey face? Yep. Uh, I, I saw a tweet the other day where it was like flyers for the you know for their entire existence up until 10 years ago and it was like forwards and defense had the very angry like uh dragon face and then the goaltending had the goofy face and now it's the other way around where the goaltending has the you know the menacing face and then the forwards and the defense have the the dopey face on yeah it's but, um it's good to see i guess but um in very typical Flyers fashion, they just can't get it all. We just can't. We time. yeah. We just yeah. we just can't get it all together, clicking at the same time. In uh, yes, typical Flyers fashion, we can't have nice things. So have you uh, have you voted for Konechny in your All Star uh, ballot in there? I have not. I kind of forgot that was a thing. I don't really know how the fan voting works. 
Um, he needs your vote, Katie. Kevin Hayes can't be the only one. There. He really does need my vote. Uh, I was definitely kind of, I, I think I, along with everybody else, was very surprised that Kevin Hayes was the Flyers all-star selection because, I mean, realistically, the options were, I think, Konechny and Hart in terms of players on the team who, like, deserve to go. But I don't, I don't know. I don't really care that much about the all-star game and, like, who goes and everything. So, like, I don't particularly care that Kevin Hayes was there. But Kevin Hayes did say in, like, an interview or something that it was, like, something that his brother really wanted him to do. So it's kind of a good story. I, you know, the all-star game is all about marketing. So yeah. in, in terms of that kind of aspect, you know, Kevin Hayes having, you know, a bit of a, you know, a bounce back season, you know, after the, all of the traumatic things that happened with his, with his brother passing away and, you know, now being able to achieve a goal that his brother had said that he wanted him to do is kind of like a good, you know, feel good story for the all-star game. Um, now that being said, I, I do think Konechny deserved it because he's been, you know, a positive presence in, I think, just about every single Flyers game this season. Um, and the same cannot be said for Kevin Hayes, who has been healthy scratched on multiple occasions. So, but Hayes has uh, 36 points in 40 games, 10 goals. Uh, Konechny has 43 points in 35 games. Um, He's the only point-per-game player on the Flyers. Yeah. Over a point-per-game. And, so. you know, I... Uh, I don't know. That one seemed like a relatively easy one. You know, Hayes has the points, but it sure doesn't feel like he's having that great of a season, all things considered. Um, yeah. You know, Konechny, I think, has been really the only notable skater on the team. Um, Hart started out strong, and, you know, the, the, the falters are not his fault. Um, no. You know, given, what, given what the rest of this roster looks like. But, yeah, I don't know. Konechny seemed like the easy vote there. So, I don't know who picked this one. There are a couple other ones across the league that are... Um, interesting as well so i don't i don't know if this was a, a team selected thing or you know some higher power made the call on this one but yeah kevin a is is a is your all-star and we'll see if a uh, tk makes the fan vote uh I, I was listening to snow the goalie the other day and they said that it's def it's definitely not a team selected thing apparently like the nhl has its own like hockey operations department and that's who's in charge of selecting that's who a goes to the all-star well. game yeah so, got that information straight from Aunt Sant Philly, so hmm. I, I trust him. But yeah, apparently that's who's in charge of selecting who the initial people are in the All-Star game, and then, you know, they can kind of bank on, you know, maybe some other people who are deserving of it, you know, getting the fan vote. Kind of like in Edmonton, like, you're never not going to select Connor McDavid yeah. as your All-Star, even though Leon Dreisaitl is, you know nine times out of ten also deserving of being named an all-star it's just you know the luck of the draw but um yeah i agree i thought it was an easy pick uh, i don't know why they decided to go with hayes but you know what's what's done is done uh tortorella had some interesting comments about that he was he was also kind of like i really don't care <laughs> yeah i don't uh i do not watch the all-star festivities uh, it doesn't do anything for me um, but you know, Hayes in a three-on-three environment, um, you know, it's a it's a choice, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, just 
Who could possibly care? But it is one of those decisions that is uh, overall baffling when you, you know, take a look at the roster and. Oh yeah, in terms of you know possible team selections and everything. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Yeah. In terms of other controversy things, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of talk about Ivan Provorov in the last few days regarding some bubbling frustration with him in the team. And I know you've talked about this for a while as to why, you know, Provorov would want to continue to stay, you know, in an environment like this where, you know, things just really aren't clicking and somebody with a nature as competitive as he is, you know, finally starting to be like, okay, well, if, you know, I'm wasting my time here. I think, I think we are starting to finally see some of that. I think the rose colored glasses may, maybe coming off for Provorov. And there's been a lot of speculation that he's going to get traded um, potentially at the deadline. I don't really know how I feel about an Ivan Provorov trade. First of all, I guess I I would say if it does happen, I don't think it's a deadline deal. I think it's something that happens in the off season. Um, Probably if I had to guess at the draft, or like kind of in the dog days of summer, maybe after free agency, once teams really kind of get, you know, some solid idea of, you know, what they have to work with and what they can do with him. Um, considering he still has two, he has two more years after this season uh, with a cap hit of about six, I think it's 6.75 million. But the biggest thing I have with that is that Provorov eats so many important minutes. He plays like 24 minutes a night. And I personally do not believe that there is a single player on the roster or in the system that is capable of taking over his heavy minutes at this current moment. And I think until you have a solid idea in place of who can do that, you should not trade him. It's just, it's it, it would be nearly impossible. Provorov is averaging uh, 23-12 of ice time on the year. The second closest is Sanheim, who is averaging 21-1. So, Sanheim's it, also playing on the second pair, which gets, you know, more often than not, Provorov is taking the heaviest minutes of that. He's of, playing of, uh, of those 23. Over a minute more at even strength. And just about a minute more on the penalty kill as well um, is Provorov over Sanheim. And that may not sound like a lot, but two or three minutes a game over the course of a season, Provorov has a hundred more minutes of time on ice this year than Sanheim does, you know, collectively. Um, (coughs) Those numbers, individually, again, two or three minutes a night, it it may not sound like a lot, but over a season it is. Yeah, it it, adds up. A lot of the things, you know... I, I had a guy send me a big long DM today about all the reasons why I should hate Ivan Provorov. And, you know, I, listen, I can't say I'm a fan of the guy, but there are so many things that if you take him out of the picture and leave the rest of this defense as is, it's hard to find a lot of net positives in all of this. Mm-hmm. And moving him, I don't think it's going to be a deadline deal. You know, teams typically don't commit themselves to that much cap. Uh, for two more years um, at, at the deadline. My guess is a draft A deal if the Flyers try and swing something. Um, 
But, you know, to, to get a good value in a trade for Provorov and to hope that this team, as is, can figure it out, you really don't have an answer. Well, you know, Sanheim's going to break out and he's going to play on this one. And, like, I mean, this guy's struggling to keep his head above water on the second pair. You really think he can play the unquestioned number one role? And, you know, York, maybe. I mean, at least they're giving York top pair minutes with Provorov, but he's still not playing a top two you know, spot on the left side. It was natural side. So we don't know what he's got right. either. So, you know, I do think we're probably headed for a separation with Provorov. I still don't think it's the right thing to do. It's not uh, not the path that I, I would have either. done here. But, you know, I, I think uh, all the people that hate this guy, you know, are going to realize what uh, the grass isn't necessarily always greener on the other side when he's gone. No, and I think th- a lot of the reason, like, why people have such an issue with him is because he, you know, the sometimes the mistakes that he does make are glaring. But if 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 they were going to trade him, they would probably trade him to a contender that already has a solid top pair in place, which means he would be demoted to the second pair, where in those minutes, I think he would really truly thrive and he'd look like a superstar and then everybody would be, you know, bitching and moaning that we got rid of Ivan Provorov for whatever it was that we got in return for him. You know, as much as I, you know, liked Shane Gossespierre when he was here, it's the same thing people did last season when Ghost put up 50 points in Arizona. And they were like, oh, we need, you know, a a power play guy. We had one. You know, there he is, uh, you know, doing it for, for another team. I think, you know, so... Yeah, I I agree. I do think they're headed for separation, but I think before they decide to trade him, I think the organization really needs to come to grips with where they are at. And the, I mean, truly, they should have done this when they decided that they were going to trade Claude Giroux. But if if you decide that you want to get rid of Ivan Provorov, I think that really is the catalyst of the deal that signals that you are going to rebuild. I think if the team and Comcast are adamant about competing, you know, both, you know, next season and beyond, I think it would be a terrible idea to get rid of him because like I said, there are no internal options to replace him. You know, like you said, Sanheim is already, you know, not doing too hot on the second pair. I don't think he can be trusted to play on the top pair, let alone with, you know, Tony D'Angelo. I don't think their styles will really mesh well together at all. Um, so it, it's it's going to be a hot mess. And I, I really do hate to see it. I do like Ivan Provorov a lot as a player. He does a lot of like, you know, this like thankless work, you know, on the top pair yeah, yep. too. And I think people are like really just not going to like what the team looks like without him. Like, like you were saying the the whole, uh, the biggest reason that the defense, you know, looks as decent as it is, is because of him. If you remove him from the situation, this defense is garbage on paper, but you know, I don't know. I don't think that they would move him in a hockey trade either. I think, you know, like doing a Provorov for chicken or something like that. I, I think that's, Trying to get rid of him in a lateral move is just not going to work because you're just going to end up with more of the same. So if they do try to trade him, 
you know, they don't have they don't have to trade him just for the sake of making a trade because he has, you know, stated that he's unhappy. I think they really need to take their due diligence with this one and be patient, kind of take a, an approach similar to how Arizona's been with Jacob Chikrin. I mean, he's been on the shopping block for months now at this point, um, maybe even Whoop, over a year. Oh. Less than a minute left. A minute left. I was going to say less uh. than a minute left in the period. Um, Tortorella looks thrilled. Doesn't he always? Yeah. Who yeah. scored the goal? Uh, Hathaway? Oh, nice. It's some nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the return for Provorov is going to be an interesting one. And, you know, you were kind of alluding to the fact that I could signal a rebuild. And their hands are kind of tied when it comes to rebuilding because you don't have a lot of valuable assets on this team. You've got Provorov, you've got Hart, and you've got Konechny. You know, and Hart, you know, with the contract coming up and his probably own unhappiness with the situation that he's kind of in with his team, you could deal him for a lot. That's a 24-year-old legit elite goaltending there. And, you know, Travis Konechny, when all said and done, is probably going to flirt with, you know, 40 goals and 80-plus points on the season. You know, there is... They could get a lot for all three of those You guys, could sell all three great... this summer and, and, and do the best rebuild quote unquote that you can get and speaking of that connect just tied it up or uh, oh. put them in the lead 2-1 damn Peter Laviolette looks rough these days oh I I haven't gotten a look at him but yeah Whew. I don't know why he reminds me of uh, Peter Pettigrew from Harry <laughs> Potter but just like a nicer dressed yeah that was a uh... I hate that I'm so that my feet is behind yours oh that was a nice shot just yeah. right in front fair be doing something useful look at that yeah but um it'll signal uh you know depending on how they do it if they trade this guy for you know the 2023 first round pick and that's it you know for provorov or connecting for for provorov yeah, you know, I, I think they would need to get more than just the pick. If you get rid of Provorov, need... you know, then what? You know, what? it's like their aggressive retool from last year when they gave up a bunch of draft picks for Tony D'Angelo and then called it a fucking summer, right? Oh, right. we don't want to do anything more than that. It's like it was such a half-assed attempt at what they're going to do and getting rid of <coughs> Provorov with no stable plan beyond that you right. know, it, it, you got to kind of bad idea. You got to commit to this rebuild thing if you're moving Provorov with no intent there, because you know, I, I, I don't know. I unless you really like Cam York and you really want to give Zamula a shot up there next year, um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I don't. <laughs> my my guess is it happens at some point within you know the next few months. You're probably during the off season at some point, but. Yeah, what it means for the Flyers and kind of how they go beyond that, I think is probably the bigger story to trading program is the domino that it knocks over and uh, seeing what happens next. Yeah, I think it could really kind of bring the organization to a crossroads. You know, either they decide to continue to, you know, if he decides to resign, let's say they do, you know, then you got you know, another player, I mean, granted, he's better than all of the other players that they have locked up long-term, but, you know, you have yet another contract for big money 
signed to, you know, a serious extension um, for a player who's been here for eons. Um, and, you know, they could continue to try and do this aggressive retool that, you know, hasn't really been working. But, or they could take the other way and, and decide to start rebuilding. I mean, I think, I think, I, I mean, personally, I believe that rebuilding would be in their best interests. But I think they're probably just going to kick this can down the road. You know, I, I don't want it to be... Some, something that they wait to the last minute to do like with the Scott Lawton situation. But I think at some point it, it, it is going to come to a head. You know, I don't want them to trade him, but unfortunately I do think it is in the best interest of the team. If they do it in order to, you know, try and really get some, good assets for him. You know, if, if they do like a half, half-assed hockey trade, you know, for, you know, stuff that nobody else wants or for, you know, if they try to, you know, swap him for another defenseman, you know, I'm not really sure. Depend- I mean, depending on who it is, I don't know if I would trust, you know, that person to take over his minutes. So it's, it is really going to be an interesting situation to keep an eye on both, you know, through the end of the rest of this season. Um, I'm sure there may be some, you know, postseason press conferences that, you know, Provorov will take where he may, you know, speak about his situation and, you know, what it looks like long-term because, you know, the players also know all of these rumors as well. You know, it's no secret. Um, and it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on in the summer. Um, I'm really curious as as to what they do but regardless of how they go about trading him I don't trust the current front office to get the best value that they can for him they've shown too often um, especially in signings um, to just kind of like jump the gun a little bit and they don't really know how to like wait it out and play the long game so that is where my hesitancy comes in. You know, also the fact that the organization seems in no rush to try and get rid of Chuck Fletcher worries me because, you know, he is the one who, you know, put us in this mess in the first place. And I do not trust him to be the person to get us out of it. But the, you know, Dave Scott just won't fire him for some reason. Nope, he's I don't, still here. I have no yeah. idea. He's still here. You know, I thought he was going to be fired by Thanksgiving or Christmas at the latest. Um, and now we're well past New Year's and he's still here, which worries me not only because if they were going to fire him before the trade deadline, they would have done it by now. Um, you know, you wouldn't. I don't think you would fire him two months before the trade deadline, but also the trade deadline and the draft are so, so intertwined that. It, it say they were to fire him, you know, after the trade deadline, you know, at that point, what's the point? Like they've already done like all of the work and everything, you know, I think if they were going to get rid of him, they, they should have done it last year or earlier in the season, or they could just wait until after, you know, the start of free agency. And after he, you know, inevitably royally screws us over, then they can be like, all right, now you're out of here. Maybe that's our only saving grace. But um, 
there was always the rumor that he was, you know, oh, after the World Juniors, after Christmas, and well, they've come and gone, and he's still here. Once he well, survived that 10-game losing streak in early December, I think that was a pretty good sign that uh, they don't intend to get rid of this guy. My worst fear, which is unfortunately probably the most likely one, is that they just kick Fletcher up to be president full-time, and then they hand Briere the keys, which I think is the worst possible thing that they could do because, you know, the Flyers are in the worst, like, call a spade a spade. This is the worst period in franchise history. And don't get me wrong. I love Danny Breer as a player, but I don't trust somebody who's never been an NHL GM before to try and weed us out of this mess. Now, granted, Chuck Fletcher has had years and years of experience and, you know, also shouldn't have put us in this mess, but I think it is going to take somebody who has really kind of taken a team out of the depths and really rebuilt a team properly in order to try and get us out of this. You know, we're exactly back where we started, you know, essentially if, if, if Briere gets promoted, that's really the icing on the cake because then we're in the exact same spot we were when we hired Hextall, because he wasn't a GM previously. This was like his first full-time GM role, not as an assistant, coming from L.A. And it's the same situation. We're in Capel, first-time GM. You know, it, it's it's like Groundhog Day. You know, we're reliving the same thing over and over and over again. And I just... I I need something different i need somebody who knows what they're doing it would be it would it would be nice i don't feel like i'm asking for too much uh somebody who knows what they're doing there's there's been a lot of that kind of talk over the last couple days especially since these pro rumors started where it's like well i wouldn't mind if he gets traded but i don't want fletcher to make the move and i'm sitting there i'm like okay like listen i don't necessarily want to either but at this point it's fletcher or it's briere like, I don't think we're going to be lucky enough to get an outside third-party new general no. manager here. You know, who is president afterwards, I think, is the more interesting question. But I think Briere is your next general manager. It's just a matter of when. You know, do, do you trust... Hi, Danny Briere, you're a rookie GM with absolutely no experience. Your first move <laughs> is to get a good return for Ivan Provorov in a trade. Congratulations. Good luck. You know, like, yeah. that's... uh. You know, I, I don't necessarily know if I want Fletcher making these negotiations, but I'm also not sure if I want Danny Briere making these negotiations either. So, That's fair. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know when this guy's getting fired at this point. The trade deadline is, like, March 3rd. Um, You know, all these wins are uh, not helping. You know, I, I guess if they no. came out of the World Juniors now to Christmas and you know, lost that road trip and some of those... You know, lost some of those games. To, you know, to these bottom feeder teams, maybe it'd be a different story right now. But they're picking up some wins, and uh, it doesn't even feel like Fletcher's seat is remotely hot at this point. So, no. And then they're gonna. I mean, granted, this is a deep draft, but they're gonna be exactly the worst case scenario that we talked about before the season started. They're gonna pick like around tenth overall. Yep. And you know, while they are gonna get a good player because it's a deep draft that player is not going to be as good as anybody that they would have gotten if they really decided to, you know, not necessarily tank, but, you know, 
racked up a couple plan. more losses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, commit to a plan to rebuild. Like these, like th- like this three game stretch that Western Conference road trip is going to be the difference between them picking tenth and them winning the lottery at like three or something. I guarantee it. Yeah, mark it my is. words. <laughs> It's uh, not looking good, you know, and it's the only teams they're beating are the four or five that are under them in the standings right now. And yeah, they beat, yeah. They beat all those teams. Yep. And San Jose. Which, which is not how it's not helpful and, in terms of their draft lottery odds. Like it's, it's good that the team is, you know, performing well and you can see that it's, you know, it's carried over to tonight and against the Sabres as well um, that they've really got this momentum going now. now but in, in terms of, you know, what it means for the team's future. It's, you know, future in terms of the draft, uh, it's terrible, you know, because now we've sat, we're going to have sat through this, you know, god-awful season, and we're not going to have too much to show for it. No, some other random middle-of-the-road prospect. Another random dude that'll come up and disappoint. Way too hyped up and shows up in five years from now and is disappointing, yep. Yep. As they've been every year since uh, 2014. Every single year, yeah. So it, it's just more of the same. And I don't know. It, I'm beginning to get really tired of it. Yeah, it'll um, be an interesting approach for their next uh, few months. You know, to kind of see what they trade Provera for, what the rest of the team looks like, whether they try and move Kevin Hayes, you know, get out of his deal with the least amount of blood in their hands possible. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about it. I have no faith that they're going to trade Kevin Hayes. I feel like at that point, if you're going to retain like three or four million dollars of his salary at that point, like you might as well just keep him. There's nobody here to play center. Like I, f- I feel like un- unless somebody gives you like really gives you something that blows you out of the water. I feel like there really isn't a point. I mean, does the does the term suck? Yes. Does the cap hit suck? Yes. But the the Flyers, you know, the biggest thing this year was that they don't have anybody to play center, and they've scratched him multiple times. He's been playing in the wing more often than not. I mean, I guess that's true, but because they're forcing Noah who, Cates to play center instead because they're idiots, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I, but I don't know. I I feel like there aren't going to be too many takers. I could be wrong, but also for the fact that it's three more years, like, is it really worth having, you know, that three, three and a half million of just like dead cap space on your roster purely to, you know, get rid of them. I don't know. I go back and forth. Sometimes I think it's a good idea, but you know, other times more often than not, I'm like, I don't know. You can't buy the guy out. I mean, those rumors no, were flying earlier in the year, and you know, I wrote a piece a few weeks ago looking at the different possible scenarios with this guy, and you just can't buy him out. It's just it's it's too stupid, um, even for Chuck Fletcher. You know, I, uh, trading him, maybe retaining like one to two mil, and even then I'm not thrilled about it, but I don't think you're going to walk away from that guy without retaining anything but you know no, retaining half is just something. it's too much you know I, I just and then what do you you know I, i'm sure he has some value on the trade scene if his cap hit was you know four and a half to five million dollars but 
what are you going to, you know, you're not getting anything crazy back for the guy. No. For retaining that much cap, especially. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, he's another one of those guys. It sure feels like his time is limited um, in Philadelphia, but, you know, how they go about parting ways with him is interesting. But, you know, you look at, you, they can trade Provov in full, get his 6.7 off the books, and get at least 5 mil of uh, Kevin Hayes's you know, 7.1 off the books, you know, all of a sudden they got a little bit of cap this year, you know, to uh, to to play around with in free agency. It's still looking like a deep pool. Dylan Larkin and Pasternak are still available at this point. Um, so, you know, if they do play their cards right and get out of both of those trades without being substantial losers in either one of them, you know, maybe they do uh, have some uh, free agent money to actually play with this year and... Uh, that would uh that would that would help get over the the loss of uh, those two is uh, bringing me a new uh, new toy in free agency <laughs> to uh, to enjoy. Yeah, definitely getting a a star like one of those guys in free agency would uh, go a long way. But I think if but then again, if you're gonna sign one of those guys, then you're you know if you're gonna get rid of Provorov at least, you know now you're missing you're you're getting rid of one piece and bringing in another. It just seems like. I don't know. I don't have any faith that they're going to do anything positive in free agency, especially not That's after fair. last year. I mean, neither after, do I. But... After they hyped us up and then delivered absolutely nothing. We got Nick so... DeLaurier, Katie. What more could you want? Oh, uh, yes. Four years my, of Nick DeLaurier, my, even. Four... Every time I think about that contract, I get so mad. Not because of, like, the term, but just the fact that it has a no-trade clause. Four but I do also a, think no handing out four Jesus. years to a fourth line player is asinine. To a thirty-two-year-old fourth liner on top of it. Yeah, really. Eesh. But yeah, I think I think the Kevin Hayes situation is going to be interesting. If they can find a taker, that would be great. But I I can't say I have my hopes up. It seems like people are kicking tires on him though, based from what I saw from Anthony uh, the other day. Um, he said I think he tweeted something out. Um, that people may or may not be interested. Um, but I don't know. It, it's, it's something we'll have to keep our eyes on. Maybe as we get to the trade deadline, things really start heating up in that regards. But I think that's another move that they try to make in the off season. I feel like because yeah, that's not a trade deadline. On it, I don't no. think that happens. I think some team could theoretically be desperate enough to go after Provorov, but Kevin Hayes, that's an off season move. Um, you know that that's definitely a a summertime a summertime trade, but yeah, you know we're in that weird kind of middle ground here of, of waiting for everything to um, kind of crescendo towards the, uh, the the trade deadline here in March. So but the rumors are uh, planted, and you know it's at least good to hear that the Flyers are considering changing shit up. Now that that is the one part of this that I'm in, you know the positive takeaway here of like, hey, there may be a different roster on the ice next year. That's kind of neat because I'm tired of watching this fucking bullshit every night. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it still it still blows my mind that after finishing with the fourth worst record in the league last year, they're like, you know what? Let's run it back. Yeah. But let's do it without our star player. Yeah. And bring in Tony D'Angelo. He's gonna fix everything. Yeah, all ten power play points that he's got. Oh gosh, Hero don't remind me. Um, I think that was it. That's all I had written down. 
Yeah, I think we kind of, I think we kind of got to everything. The young guys are doing good. We got some trade talks heating up. And they're winning games they should be losing. They're, and... <laughs> they're, they are winning games they should be losing, which is bad. Oh, I have been rooting for them to lose every single game, though. Gives me something exciting. Because then when they do win, I'm surprised that I'm happy. It annoys me that they're winning. It's just like, it annoys me that they're playing competitive hockey this season. Like, at least the last couple of years, there was the part of me that turned the television on every night just to kind of, like, see if they could lose by 10 goals again. You know, like, let's go crazy. This year, like, they're mm-hmm. playing mediocre competitive hockey with bullshit teams. Like, that's not fun. Right. <laughs> this isn't fun <laughs> at all. Give me blowouts again, goddammit. But, um... At least, at least when they were losing, they were losing with style. Yeah, they were making it fun. They were making it worth, worth my time. I mean, they did lose with style against the Maple Leafs, six to two. That's true. Yeah. I will say, I I have watched most of the Flyers games recently, but I did not watch that one. I was traveling that day. Um, I was flying home uh, from a trip to my friend's wedding. Um, but I I got off the plane like when I turned my phone back on uh, from airplane mode, and I saw final six, Maple Leaf six <laughs> Flyers two, and I was like, oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, I did not watch that game, but I was following along on Twitter, and uh, it sounded as glorious as a 6-2 game could have won. Yeah, it, so. sa- it sounded about as, as <laughs> yeah, bad as yeah. you would expect it to. I mean, Car- Carter Hart didn't even do any media after the game. I, you know, and I, But what are you going to say after a game like that? You know, we stunk. Mm-hmm. I let in too many goals. So, can't say I blame him on that one, especially because it seems like the team kind of from what I read on uh, Twitter, it seems like the team really kind of hung him out to dry in that game. Yep. All right, everyone. I guess we'll uh, call it a day. Um, everything should be back on schedule next week. Um, like I said, I've been very ill this week, so we did not uh, did not do a Shane show. But you still squeeze one of those in. Um, now that I realize that my voice can kind of sort of hold out for an hour here. Um, we shall see. But we'll be back to normal next week. Um, yeah, Shane on Monday, and we'll get Anthony back next week as well. I don't know if, uh, we're going to squeeze one in this week or not, so we shall see plenty of shit up on the website, brotherlypuck.com. Check that out. At Dan the Flyer Fan, at brotherlypuck, at brotherly underscore, bah! <laughs> Odd! <laughs> Katie! You can find me on Twitter at Claude Giroux, but the A in Claude is a four. <sighs> Great. <laughs> oh, did they score? Oh, no. I thought they did. Nope. The people on the broadcast just uh, did that thing where they elevate their voices when someone's about to score, and they didn't. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye and good night.